0: I heard somebody talking about their about like a, a, a working partner you know because I, I look mm-hmm. at us as working together andy and uh we've been working together for years right
1: yeah it's been four and a half i think is that right
0: i, I started
1: late uh like the very end of 2018
0: no is that no. for
1: real yeah. Yeah. And I figured I'd been editing enough of these up. podcasts. It's time I made my way
0: on. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's crazy, dude. Well, Andy's yeah. one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, I really, I do think you are just, uh, man, you bring a lot of joy to me and uh, you're fun to talk to. And Andy and I have really great conversations when we're not recording uh, our podcast. And I thought it would be fun to, to just talk to Andy because we've got a lot to talk about today. And- yeah. Andy is fascinating. And before we get into the topic of the day, and the topic is people, places, and patience. People, places, and patience That's what we're talking about. Who are your people? Where are your places? How long it will it take for you to get where you want to go? People, places, patience. So we're going to get to that. There's a lot of different places we're going to go before we get to people, places, and patience. I thought it would be fun for this particular podcast to kind of bring you behind the scenes a little bit. Some of you who have worked with me may know Andy. If you don't, this is Andy, and and Andy and I just really enjoy each other's company, and uh, we love we love helping people, right? Like it's nice, Andy. Right? We get to help people.
1: Yeah, I think that's um, the one thing. I mean, among other things, very different about this job that I like way more than any other job I've had. It's that I feel like what we're doing is actually having some impact, and is helping people. <laughs> like I, I've worked the full spectrum of every job you can imagine. I've worked What's your worst them. job? Uh, my very first job actually here in Chicago, I worked at a call center. I didn't realize that's what I was signing up for when I got right. that job. Uh, I signed up for a temp agency and it was pitched to me a little bit differently. They're like, you're going to be connecting patients with doctors that have asked for a specific service, um, you know, to get procedures done. And I'm like, oh, that's great. People that want me to call them. <laughs> that uh, are, are being connected with people who are going to help them. And uh, right. it's not, it's not what it was at all. Uh, I was calling people who had no idea that they had, you know, given their information to somebody, you know, calling them in the middle of the dinner, like, you know, telemarketers that I was the guy on the other side yeah. of the phone who wow. was just desperate for a paycheck. And uh, I got out of there in like three months.
0: Wow. Three so, months, is a long time. And there's a, it was,
1: yeah, I should have quit the second day, but I, I stuck with it.
0: I mean, that's like the most rejection anybody gets. I think that's oh, yeah. because there are people like I had someone who called me uh, today and I was like, I I, I I did not have the time for the call, but I just said, I said, I know you're doing your job and I, and I appreciate that you're working, but yeah, I, I just asked to not be on this list. You know, I tried to do a nice rejection because um, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, why not? As opposed to just hanging up yeah. and I still felt bad, but, but that's a tough job, Andy. So you, you have been through a lot. And uh, you, you have a lot of great insight. And uh, for our, our show today, People, Places, Patients, I'm going to share a little bit about just the, the kind of the origin story, a little bit of like where this all came from, how, how this whole thing started. Because I think people, places, and patients are, are huge. And in terms of just transition, it's always, you know, who are your people, where your place is, and how long will it take to get where you want to go? And uh, as I mentioned, Andy, one of his places is rochester new york uh, that's his hometown and he'll visit his family occasionally and he'll he'll be around these people lovely people right you like your family
1: oh the the best you couldn't ask for a more supportive loving family really no
0: i think you could <laughs> <laughs> i mean you, you could you don't know andy the thing is yeah um, i guess i don't you, know, know yeah you just know your family and you're like they're yeah. the best but you know what they could be mediocre andy <laughs> As far as you know, because that's all you know, man, right?
1: Yeah, if, if I know what's good for me, I won't say otherwise. That's right. That's all
0: you know. <laughs> I trust, I trust that your family are are as good as it gets, right? But we don't really, I think yeah. that's the thing. They they meet your needs, right? And they've been supportive of you in, 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 in yeah, more than, yeah. Right. So you've got people, right? Your family, mm-hmm. and you got a place. You always have Rochester and uh and then patients. Is the ability to tolerate discomfort while getting where you want to go? You know, while going through changes and ex- experimenting, and and a lot of what we've been doing here for several years has been it's taking a lot of patience. You know, like there's a lot of parts of the job that take a lot of patience. So people, places, and patience. And I think that in terms of origin, you know, like all of our origin stories start with people, places, and patience. So I. Happen to, I have wonderful people as well. My family's terrific. Um, the best family you could ever ask for Andy better than yours, <laughs> right? As good as you think yours, your family is mine is better. Uh, so well,
1: for you, but better than mine for you.
0: It's like, I think if you lived with yeah. my family, like if you lived with us for like maybe a year, I yeah. don't think you'd go back to yours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you were. Your family's great. I'm just joking. I'm I'm kidding. I'm being sarcastic. Sometimes sarcasm doesn't come through uh, if you don't uh, if you don't know sarcasm because right maybe it's the tone. Anyway, so I got a great family, people, places, and patience. So when people go to college, when they deal with change, when they graduate, and they're in an unfamiliar place surrounded by unfamiliar people, it can be very hard. So when Andy went from SUNY. Brockport, right? Mm -hmm. Is that where you graduated from?
1: Yeah. Now they they call it the the college at Brockport. Yeah. It's part of the SUNY system. Yeah. State University
0: of New York, Brockport. That's what the SUNY is. So he went from SUNY Brockport to Chicago, right? And Mm -hmm. you got this telemarketing job and you were (laughs) in an unfamiliar place surrounded by unfamiliar people having new experiences, right, Andy?
1: Yeah. It was the dead of winter uh, January, 2013. I think I got that job in February or March.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's so it's a huge change. So if you look at change, right, you came to Chicago for a reason, you wanted something. Why'd you come to Chicago, Andy?
1: So I studied theater in college. Um, and part of that program is they had a relationship with a local theater, uh, where you could have an internship and the internship gave you stage time as kind of like an ensemble role. So you didn't have any speaking parts, but you were in the background, you know, um, in A Christmas Carol, you were like one of the villagers walking around the streets or, you know, something like that. So I I did a couple of plays during that internship and they brought in actors from Chicago. Now, growing up in New York, you always talk about the destination is New York City, Broadway, off-Broadway, doing all that stuff. Uh, And Chicago wasn't really even a thought. I had no idea about the theater scene here. But talking to the actors during that internship, they're like, you should really think about coming to Chicago to start for a few years because that there's like 250 different independent theater companies doing work all the time. You might not get paid at all or much if you do, but it's much easier if you're non-union to get some work, get started, and, you know, get your feet wet and see if you really want to do this, if you like it enough, Um and I took that to heart and I really, you know, trusted them and liked a lot of them. And they're like, come out, see what it's like. Yeah. So that's what I did. So you went to Chicago, right? And then an unfamiliar place, but
0: it was about, a, it was a place where you could do your theater work, where you could experience, experiment, and you're like in your early 20s. So you get here and that's exciting. And, and I think it's, I think it's a great time to do that. And you need to make money. Because you, they're not paying you, so you did this really awesome telemarketing job,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which for a amazing. couple of months. Yeah, right, yeah.
0: for a couple of months, and then and then uh, and then I'm sure you got some other jobs, and and I know that that another place where we have overlap, and we're going to connect this. I'm going to connect this to to college and transition and change, and and for anybody you know who, who's thinking about their places. You know our life is about a series of of transitions where we go to these different places and meet different people and have comfortable and uncomfortable experiences. And one of the biggest challenges for the people that we work with, especially our you know college students and high school students, is they haven't really gone to other places and haven't experienced a lot of discomfort. And when that happens, they get it's really hard. It's really hard for them. so andy, when when you were in Chicago, and you were in your telemarketing job and you were a college graduate who was getting paid nothing to do your theater work <laughs> just trying to get by. Um, you know, what was the what was the hardest part for you, man?
1: Well, the first like month was pretty lonely and cold, you know, nobody's yeah. really going outside and mingling because it's, you know really freezing, but I had a good sublet that was like a base of operations to find a more permanent place. So I just took the opportunity when I could. Um, And it wasn't until I started taking acting classes and improv classes at Second City that I found my people and a more solid place and footing for what would be my future in Chicago.
0: Nice. So Second City, the famous Second City, right? Yeah. Who were there any like people we would know who were at second city when you were taking classes or or people who are on the main stage?
1: Oh, I'm trying to think now. Oh, you know, um, gosh, I'm blanking at the moment. You know, there's lots of people in the improv scene, um, that I would see around that I'm now seeing pop up other places, but in like kind of bit parts, like, uh, I don't know if you saw the show jury duty. Yeah. Do you see that? No. So it's it's <laughs> kind of like I yes, but I didn't, right? <laughs> it's okay. kind of like the, it's been pitched as the Truman Show meets the Office. Right. So it's it's about this one guy who thinks he's serving jury duty, and they're filming this documentary about jury duty. And the thing is, everyone involved is an actor except for him.
0: Okay. And then, and then they,
1: they do, do a reveal that. at the end. Right. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a great great shot. The man, the fact that they managed to pull it off is right. amazing. But right. one of the actors in it, I saw around at Second City like during my conservatory days there. So, um, you know, I've seen people break through and get some good parts.
0: Right. And there's lots of people who are writers and, and just lots of people who are in behind the scenes and and doing. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, did you do improv Olympic too?
1: Yeah, I I did. IO for, um, I didn't, I didn't make it all the way to the end there, you know, improv, it's a wonderful place to go, but if you're trying to do multiple schools, it's a lot of money. It's like, you know, three, 400 bucks per level. Um, and I'd say for, for what I got out of it, you know, it was was worth to do second city, but doing the multiple schools, I just had to kind of call it at a certain point. So
0: Andy and I, Andy and I also, well, we never met, uh, at, through our improv connections, the way that Andy started working here is through one of his friends that he met through improv was, isn't that how that worked?
1: Yeah. So I took classes. um, So we're talking about Travis who, who used to work with you. And um, I met Travis in my very first improv class. It was a class called improv for actors. It was meant for um, people who want to take improv classes, but have an acting background. And we both went to school for theater previously. Um, So we took that class in the summer of the year that I moved there and uh, you know, right away we were, we were good friends. Um, So we started uh, just, Going to improv shows together to see other acts. We would do scenes together. Uh, eventually, we ended up forming our own sketch group together as well. And we performed at the Chicago she- uh, Sketch Fest, uh, did some improv in different bars around the city. So we got to be pretty good friends and uh, still continue to be to this day. Yeah. Um, we don't see each other as much. He's got a kid, you know, he's running a business and all that. But every once in a while, we'll have like a game night and get together. So and he does game nights. Yeah, it's great. It, it's a lot right, of fun. It's like good way to catch up. game
0: nights, but that's like a great thing to do with your friends. Like some people think they need to go out and get wasted. I don't know if you stay home and get wasted during game <laughs> nights, like you said. But that's not what it's about, right, Andy?
1: No, nah, no. Maybe a drink here and there, but uh, it's mainly right. you know we just really enjoy games. So
0: right, they love games. Like the thing about Andy, Andy's so interesting to ask him. Like, what game did you play? <laughs> and, and and he'll say he played. What's the last game you played for a game night?
1: Um, we've got this one called Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective.
0: Yeah. So you, it'll
1: yeah. <laughs> it'll present uh, a case to you, like in the style of like a Sherlock Holmes story. And you've got to follow this narrative and investigate different leads and try to figure out. It's, it's a whodunit. Right.
0: So it's a whodunit with a bunch of people.
1: Yeah. So you can all kind of throw out your ideas and draw different conclusions and see how close you come to Sherlock's conclusion at the end.
0: Oh, it sounds like so much fun. See, I love that. Like, I don't know, man. I, I just, I find you interesting because like, <laughs> you, you, well, you know what? It's such a great story. I think it's just a story of, like you go to college and then you got to figure out what you next, you know? And especially if you're in a creative field, it's like, how do you maneuver? And basically you just have to go somewhere, right? You just go yeah. somewhere and then you anchor, you put yourself in a place, right? So it's like second city or some of these acting groups and then you find your people and then you do things with these people and you start to form relationships. Like that's how you became friends with Travis and, and Andy, I'm a little jealous because Andy's got this like nice group of friends. I don't have a lot of friends. Um, I don't know if you know that Andy, Have I mentioned that? <laughs> no, <you haven't. laughs> no, it's not like I'm sad about it. It's just, I don't, it's okay. It's okay. Um, but in terms of like, I mean, I have, I have my family and I've got like, I've got kids and, you know, it's just, uh, there's a lot going on. And I think that in work, there's so much work to do, right? Like there's so, there's always a hundred things that we could be doing. Like it's mm-hmm. never like there's nothing to do, which is great. Yeah. So I think that that's that. And I think I did that. I probably created that life for myself because just growing up and making friends and finding my people in places was really hard. Cause I didn't even know there was a formula, right? Like, I don't know if you knew there was a formula. Did you know there's a formula?
1: No, not really. I just knew like when I was going to college, I had no idea what I really wanted to do. I just knew I didn't want to have a, a normal job. <laughs> I yeah. didn't want to do something boring. Um, but I figured, you know, it was a risk majoring in theater, but I knew that if I at least headed for a place like Chicago, Second City, I would meet other interesting people and something would happen along the way. Yeah. Um, it was it. kind of a, a leap of faith, but it worked out in the long run.
0: Yeah. Like that's, it's so scary, right? Like, was your family encouraging? Cause I believe you have like, you know, you've, you've told me what your dad does. Can I, can I share what your dad does?
1: Yeah. My dad was a, uh, he just retired. An archaeologist who, who,
0: <laughs> who would spend six to 12 months on digs and, um, and like the in like Egypt and in exotic countries, and would occasionally take you on a dig with him.
1: <laughs> not quite, not quite. Though you know, I wouldn't put it past him. He's got so many stories. Um, but he just re- recently retired from uh, you know, being a doctor. Um,
0: I got confused.
1: Yeah, and my mom uh, was a nurse. Um, so did they meet know, both of them? Yeah, yeah. They, did. they they've always been supportive of my interests. Um, with a healthy amount of, you know, s- making sure I've assessed the situation. Yeah. So, you know, at first, cause even before theater, I was very interested in music and was thinking about a career in music that might've drifted towards music education, a little bit more stability there. Um, but I ended up going to Brockport where theater is what I fell into. And it took me a while to declare my, my major in theater cause I was a little bit hesitant um, and they were too about me doing that, um, but eventually, when I really showed that that was my passion and that that is where I was going to excel, uh, they were fine with it. Yeah. But it, it took a little bit of like making sure that was really what I felt confident about, because um, yeah. I think it was it was a lot of like, are you sure? You should really if there's anything else you can do, you should really try. And that's like, (laughs) I often hear actors give that advice. It's like, if there's anything else that you're good at, you should do that. Right. Um, Yeah.
0: Right. But the skill, I mean, that's good advice, but the skills that you have acquired have really made you a great storyteller, uh, a great communicator, uh, someone who's really confident, um, someone who can be, you know, organize your time. And uh, I think that like people get worried about doing things that have a, a jagged path, you know, or like a very unpredictable Mm -hmm. path, but I think, especially now given with technology and just how things are so rapidly changing, there's so many transferable skills, you know, like so much of what you, what you do and what we're doing relates to. Know, storytelling because we, we also make a lot of videos we do these storytelling videos and there's a lot of production <laughs> involved and andy is is really behind the scenes helping to tell the stories and to craft those so that we can create something compelling which is really what improv is is you know creating compelling stories on the fly so if i were to start this podcast over i would say this is all about people places and patients i mean that's what this is about who are your people? Where are your places? How long will it take for you to get where you want to go? And Andy is is one of my people. I, I look at you as one of my people. Hopefully, I'm one of your people.
1: Yeah, you are for sure. You know, I
0: encourage you. I want you. To, mm-hmm. I want you to be happy and to be your best. Like we have a good, we have a good thing with that. Genuinely, um, makes me happy when you're happy. Um, and it makes me sad when you're sad. And it makes me <laughs> laugh when you laugh. <laughs> 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 so ridiculous. Anyway. Um, no, I, I was just being a little silly there because I was getting a little vulnerable. But uh, people, places, patients. Andy came to Chicago after being in New York, got involved with Second City, started to do improv, made a group of friends, met Travis. Travis, I knew Travis through uh, his wife, and I'm not going to get too into their details because they're not here, but I met Travis through, through his wife, and, and that's how I was introduced to Travis and we had all this in common because we both did improv. And, and then Travis started working and then and Andy started working with me. And that's what it is. And I think that that happens so many times in so many places where you just go and you just do and you experience and you experiment and great things happen. So the formula is people, places, patience. So for any of you who are going through change, anybody who's dealing with anything unexpected, when you are uncomfortable, really think places. Where are the places where other people have dealt with these same situations? Where are the places I could align with people who I share similar interests with? Where are the places I could find connection and community? Uh, there's, there, there's so many similarities. I, I think the, the idea of, of going from college to career of like what's next is so freaking scary because we don't always know. And there's this trust that like things are gonna be okay. And when I graduated from college, I decided I wanted to be an advice columnist and um, I'm going to make a video. I'm going to make a video about this one. Um, Cause it was a crazy, it was a crazy road, dude. It was nuts. It was just wild. Like I was in college and I'm like, I'm going to be an advice columnist. And I got that idea after I had an internship at the tonight show with Jay Leno and and I went to a place to have this internship and I got the internship simply by asking and they didn't want to interview me, but then eventually I got interviewed and I got the internship and I was scared. So I was scared so, so much to go away. Cause I had a girlfriend and I, and, and whenever I had a girlfriend, I was always afraid I would lose my girlfriend. Cause I always felt like it was a miracle. That I found a girlfriend, you know, I don't know. It's, it's <clears throat> uh, I was always like, how does this, why is this person like me? And I never really felt too great about myself. So I was always so worried that I would lose my girlfriend that I found through some miracle and she was going to be in Indiana because I was at IU at the time wearing my IU shirt for anyone watching a podcast here. I am very festive. I was going to talk about college more, but, but I didn't. Sorry. Maybe I should have worn a, um, uh, maybe I should have worn a different shirt and saved my IU shirt, or maybe I could wear my, I'll wear it again. But I, uh, I, I, Graduated from college and then I I was going to be an advice columnist. And I got the idea when I was working as an intern at the Tonight Show, and then I was working a few days a week at my dad's agency. My dad is an insurance agency, so I don't know if you know that, Andy. I, I worked at the insurance agency for about three days a week for oh wow close to four years, almost five years. And I don't uh, know that. Yeah, yeah, I was there for three days a week, and I like the insurance business. Not a lot of people say that, but it's insurance. Mm. I- You know, and the insurance business is a great business.
1: I worked at an insurance company for a little while.
0: Right. Well, this could be a, we could do a whole turn here and talk about insurance. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of insurance company?
1: I was just in office services, so I didn't really uh, get into.
0: Just in office services. (laughs) That's an important job to minimize that.
1: Yeah. So I paid the bills. Um, You know, I did, I did, you know, basic filing expense reports, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That
0: was. Did you enjoy that?
1: No, not at all. No, <laughs> <laughs> one of the most soul sucking jobs. Um, hey,
0: you're good at like you could get through that, man. Like the thing about you is like how long did you have that job?
1: Uh, it was close to a year. Right, like
0: you get through it. Like that's the thing. Yeah, you had, you yeah. A lot of discipline. Really respect that. So uh, when I graduated from college, I was working in the insurance agency three days a week, and I was writing the other four days a week, and I would visit. Newspapers, because the goal was to syndicate my column. So I would drive around to different local newspapers with a media kit talking to editors. So my goal was to self syndicate my column to a point where it could be in 15, 20, 30 newspapers and a big syndicate would pick me up. And uh, I would go on these road trips where I would drive three hours, four hours to meet with these editors in these small towns. And the hook was. I write an advice column, and it was my advice column was very popular in college, called Help Me, Harlan. I've been doing this my whole life, uh, my yeah. whole adult life. And I would visit with these editors and introduce them and say, "I could help you to get younger readers because younger readers aren't reading the newspaper, and the reason they're not reading the newspaper is because there's nothing for them. Like newspapers are bored, snooze fest, and I could be this thing that they open at least something that could get them to be interested. And it's a really good pitch, right? Like, makes yeah, that's sense. great." Right. But, but they still didn't read it because it wasn't enough, yeah. but I liked the idea and I was pretty good at selling it. And I mm-hmm. thought maybe it could happen. But one time I I visited, visiting these editors w- was brutal. Like it was so brutal. Cause they didn't want to talk to me. They're so busy. And I was this kid, he's like 21. I'm, i I read this advice column on cold call them. And mm-hmm. uh, I tried to get a meeting and I got a meeting with this one dude at the Michigan. It was like the university of Michigan's uh, local Ann Arbor. It was like the Ann Arbor news. I think I think that I think the paper's out of business because I looked because I was at the Ann Arbor News and I drove three and a half hours and I showed up to present my media materials and the editor wasn't there because his toilet uh, was overflowing his toilet got and the plumber had to come so God. and he wasn't coming in that day <laughs> he, oh, I, drove three, no. I drove three and a half hours and and when I sold it if I did a good job. If I sold it, they'd buy the column for maybe seven bucks a week, ten bucks a week. Wow! So these were not like this was a bad business. Like this was, I remember some guy in Cleveland telling me. I flew out to Cleveland actually for this appointment because it was a plane dealer and they were open to seeing me. And this this one guy, he was like a a journalist. He's like, he's like, hey, I just want to tell you, you know, I appreciate you what you're doing, but but this isn't gonna work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like. What do you mean? And he said, you know, it's just it's just not gonna work. You're just not gonna be able to to make this work. Yeah. And uh and you know, he was right, but he was wrong because I kept syndicate, I kept doing this column and I ended up getting in about 20 newspapers, which you know wasn't a lot of money. But then eventually I got into this one paper, the journal and courier, and the journal and courier, this guy, George Benge, who is one of my people. Turned out at first he was so difficult to get through to. He rejected me. He didn't want to talk to me. I finally met him and he had the same cookie jar I had in my house as a kid Said have it. Huh. And, and it was, and, it, and he was the nicest guy. And he put me in the Purdue paper and I was in the Purdue today page on the back page, the back cover and Purdue university saw this and invited me to speak. And that's what started my speaking career. It was being in oh, wow. a career. Yeah. And it was this man, George Benj. He was my, my person and, Purdue became a place for me, even though I'm an I.U grad, where I was able to do speaking events, and I put together a tape that eventually was my demo that that was the beginning of my speaking career. So I was an advice columnist, but then I became a speaker, and that's how I was able to make a living. And I stopped working at the insurance agency and just started to do the speaking with the writing, and then the books started. And, uh, you know, it's been wild, man, and along the way, I've met a lot of people. and i I, I was said before like, I don't have a lot of friends. It's like, I don't have a lot of social friends I hang out with a lot. I think that's not uncommon as someone just progresses through through life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have so many people I've worked with who have been in my corner who I can call and talk to, who are happy to provide guidance and support. and it and it's been just reaching out to people as as I've made these pivot points. like one one of the one of the people in my corner, is Dave Adams, Dr. Dave Adams. He died. It was really sad. He, he was the nicest man. He was the editor of the, or he was like the um, the advisor for the Indiana Daily Student. And um, God, he was so nice to me. And, and uh, he was, I think when I met him, he was in his fifties and he had, he was married to a woman and then he divorced her and was with a man. And this was before you could marry uh, someone of the same sex. And uh he was just such a good guy. And 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 I'd never really known someone gay that like and a gay adult who um was just so he was just such a nice man and he was just so caring. And the fact that he was gay was just one part of it, but he was always like trying to fight for rights and um seeing the rejection that came with him being this adult male who is with his partner was, was, was just so fascinating. You know, I, I just, it was such an interesting journey. And uh, when I decided I wanted to be an advice columnist, I asked Dave, you know, for advice, Dr. Dave, and he said, um, Dr. D. And he said that he would happy to be my first client, that they were going to buy my column and and they would buy it even after I graduated. And uh, Dave, yeah. oh yeah, he was great, man. He was such a nice man. And then Dave reached out to this guy, David Astor, and David Astor was a writer for editor and publisher of the trade magazine for, for uh, newspapers. And Dave shared with Dave, Dr. D, the advisor, shared with Dave Astor what I was doing. And then Dave Astor did a profile on me. And this profile was like a full page, an editor and publisher in the syndication section. And it was um, so well received, the New York Daily News side, and asked me to be an advice columnist and share a page with Ann Landers. Wow. Yeah, it was nuts, man. I was like 23, I don't know, something like that. Yeah. 20s. And I was sharing a page with Ann Landers in one of the largest newspapers in the world. And it was like, uh, you know, it was crazy. And I was writing advice. And it was, you know, everything is connected to people and places. It's people, places, and patients. And when when I talk about that message of people, places, and patients, and I love tracking the stories, I think we could do. We could do even more with this because it's such a cool idea. Uh, the um, I when I talk, whenever I talk to Andy, I think of all these different ideas that come to mind, but I have to remember we're on our podcast, so I gotta like stay stand on track. <laughs> I, get, I get really distracted. Um, but you follow it, which is nice, Andy, right? You do, you always follow it, right? So, um, anyway, people, places, and patients, whenever you're going through transition, whenever someone's going from one place to another, if you understand the map is. Where are my places? Who are my people? How long will it take to get where I want to go? It becomes much easier to navigate change. So when we take that message and apply it to students in high school, you know where are the places you sweat, play, pray, live, learn, lead, love, and work Where do you do where do you spend time around other people? That's how you build friendships. That's how you met Travis. That's how you met other people in your life. You have your movie groups, right? Andy, you' like a movie group too, right? yeah it's another group of people and you have game nights with some of your friends. And if you take that and apply it to college and any change to high school, to being an adult, you know, for adults, we get very, uh, especially adults with, with parents, with kids who are in college. It's really, it's really hard for you to take care of you. It's really hard for you to find time to be in other places, doing things you love around other people. And I think that we can all benefit from the message of, of, who are my people? Where are my places? And and how long will it take for me to experience something great? Uh, that message of college and transition and change, it, it helps when it comes to thinking about college, where you want to go to college, even if you don't, if you don't want to go to college, whatever you want to do next, it's where are my places, right? It's like, where are my places? And I think it's really, it, it's kind of simple. Like, doesn't it seem almost too simple? Does it seem simple to you, Andy?
1: Yeah. And it, it's so simple that it, it, it seems easy to miss, you know, it's one of those things that's like right in front of you and it takes some pointing out when you're younger to, yeah. to really get it. Um, and then to focus on it. Cause I think it does take a little bit of focus and intention to make it happen. Um, Cause sometimes it takes pushing yourself out of your comfort zone to find some of those places like, You know, for me, I'm a pretty quiet, introverted person, but I like things like improv and and theater, which you would think would attract the opposite personality. But for me, it just takes that that license, that excuse to to be that way left to my own devices. I'll be quite quiet. But when given permission to, you know, be a little crazy or, you know, act out a little bit and have some fun in the right context, I'm very into that and I can do that so. That's things like improv arrested. right yeah that's that's when i can yeah, yeah that's, that's when you get
0: arrested that's where your yeah. police record comes in yeah, yeah, right. yeah and he's kind of quiet <laughs> but you know you force him or put him around some friends yeah. and, if you
1: tell me it's an improv scene so you know, i'll rob a bag for you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right
0: he's very very gullible like that
1: yeah uh, very easy easily yeah. led
0: that's good okay one of the things that i think people really struggle with and you're pretty good andy at sticking things out that's like a lot of people when things get uncomfortable they just run right it's like, don't run. Just sit in it. If it sucks, then just feel how bad it sucks for a while. Like just give it a few months. And then you can talk about how much it sucks. I, I just offered a tip, um a college tip. and and if if anyone's listening and they don't watch uh, this my tips on social media, check that out. It was about going to events. I said, go to events ah. when you're when you're going to college, even if they're horrible events.
1: Mm-hmm. Just, just
0: go. Because if you go, other people are gonna be like, "This sucks," and you're gonna be like, "Yeah, this totally sucks." They're be like, "Yeah, this is the worst thing I've ever been to." Yeah, this this is the worst thing I've ever been to, man. And I've been to some pretty horrible shows. What kind of shows? Well, I saw this show, this show, and that show. Really? Yeah. Which I saw this show, this show, and that show. It's like yeah, it sucked, man. Well, this is another one we could both add it being like crappy shows, right? So this where do you live? The exact win?
1: thing happened to me. Yeah, that exact oh, same thing happened to me. Crappy
0: shows. During,
1: no, during during my first year in college, like my RA, smart of him too it wasn't mandatory but he told us it was you got to go to this event during the welcome week um and so my roommate and i went and a couple of the people from the floor went and you know we they have you play like the corniest icebreakers you could ever think of right. i think they intentionally make it kind of ridiculous to to get you to bond over it right uh and that's exactly what happened we were all like can you believe it? like it feels like they're treating us like we're nine but uh <laughs> right You're like this is so stupid i'm not nine yeah yeah i i love that you know
0: something i did see where it looks like they treat you like you're nine but it was kind of cool is i was walking through a residence hall at some college and i've been to like hundreds of schools and uh sometimes i'll walk through the halls and i walked through the halls like the first week and there are all these they call them door decks you know what door decks are you familiar with those no Um, so basically they'll put like decorations in someone's door. So it'll be like Andy and it will be like a certain theme. Like it could be like candy or it could be music and all musical instruments. And it'll be like, you know, mm-hmm. all these there could be like where you're from and and they make these door decks. So you walk, you get to your room and you get to your door and it's like, wow, like someone took a lot of time doing this like kindergarten preschool kind of thing. Like it would be where you'd put your backpack if you were like a kindergartner. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was like, this is so juvenile, like they're two. And then I so I was walking down another hall and there were no door decks. Right. Just numbers. And I'm like, damn, that's cold. Like that's cold. <laughs> like the door decks were really nice. It showed somebody cared. Right. It was yeah. An and not only
1: thing. to put those things up, but to have it like connect to your personality somehow. Like yeah. uh, I think RR did something similar too. Um, and like, I think mine might've been music related. And it's like, they took the time to, look into my file to see that I was interested in music. Um, And so you get this idea that this person knows something about me and, you know, I could probably go and talk to them if I needed to, which is so important for an RA to build that relationship.
0: Yeah. Right. Resident assistants, your RA is on your floor and it's, it's a beautiful thing to have someone who's in your corner when you get to a new place and you're surrounded by new people. And and there are always people. I don't, I said, always, there are, are almost always people who are accessible to you in your corner. I think there are always people, you know, I, I try to be careful with declaratives, you know, absolutes always, but I really think there's, there's usually someone who's in your corner who's who's there. There's there's always someone there uh, when you need someone. And I think that's really important, but I like to help people to be intentional and to understand this whole transition and, and success. is not a coincidence. So to illustrate some of this, Andy, Andrew, Malcolm, Antao,
1: close again, but still.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask. I want to answer a few questions. We'll answer some questions, and, and then we'll wrap this this wonderful podcast. I'm so grateful to have Andy here. Andy Antao. Andy and I have been working together for four and a half years. Andy is a uh, an artist. He's a creator. He's a storyteller. He's a musician. He's a gamer. He's a philosopher. And I'm fortunate <laughs> enough to get the chance to work with him and we create some, some cool stuff together. So, okay. Um, here's a couple questions. Um, just, to, just wanted to ask you a quick question. I've been sent forms for housing as an incoming freshman at college. And I have the option to choose between a double and a single. Do you think a double may be better for the experience and social aspects of what that involves? Or do you think the benefits of living alone in a single outweighs the rest? I'd be grateful you for your thoughts and just want to say the advice you gives is amazing and inspiring how about that the naked roommate was super helpful too so andy i have an answer single or double you may know what my <laughs> answer is going to be but yeah. what what do you think for a first year student do you think a single or do you think a double is a better experience
1: uh more often than not i would give the answer to say a, a double i think that's what you would say too there yeah. there are some special people for which i would say maybe the single wouldn't be that uh, bad of a choice. Like if you are a very outgoing person who isn't going to have a hard time putting themselves in situations to be social, um, the single might be able to work for you. But the double also gives you, I think you're also going to come with this, uh, dealing with uncomfortable moments, which is important as well. Double, 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 double. I would
0: say double. I, I could only say if there's like a mental health Issue like if there's a health, if there's a medical issue, then a single. But otherwise, like a double. Because even if you hate it, you can try and move at the end of the semester and, and try to be yeah. a single. You can live in a single the rest of your life. But I think you only have something to lose when you are alone. Even if you're, and I'm going to push back a little bit. You know, we, we could do that. Like even if you're social, I think that sometimes social social students can feel isolated when they're in change, especially around Mm. like the popular kids, they get into so much trouble in college. I don't know if you know this. Um, They're, they're big fish where they are in high school. Then they get to college and no one knows them. They don't have a story and they don't always know how to interact and engage because if they don't have a place where there's something, where they have a role where they can be defined by that role, they really struggle. A lot of times mm-hmm. and, um, I've seen this, I've seen this a lot where like kids who have been rejected and, and you know, emotionally has struggled a little bit. Like, you know, they, they, they're, they can handle it, but people who have been wanted and then are in an unfamiliar place and don't, and things don't work out right away. That can be difficult for them. So yeah, I, I think even that social kid, like double, I would live in a double experience it. And if it's uncomfortable, then you'll hang out in other places. And if it's comfortable, then you meet someone, right? So anyway, the, this, this guy, I didn't get back to him fast enough. He sent me a note today. He's like, hey, I have to make my decision tomorrow. And I was like, double, double, double. Okay. So thoughts or advice on undecided pathway majors in community college. So with any school, with any college, when you're undecided, I think the biggest problem is knowing what you want to do without actually doing it, right? Like mm-hmm. you were saying, when you were in SUNY Brockport, you were in a theater major, then you hadn't know, you really been in shows and I mean, you've been in shows there, but you've never been outside of a college community. And, and I think that it's so important to get a job. Like if you are in a community college and you have an undecided pathway and stay in a place where you can take lots of different prerequisites that can apply to lots of different majors, but get a part-time job. You want to be a nurse, work in a hospital. If you want to be in technology, work in any place where you're dealing with tech, you know, it doesn't, it could be at a company where you're not actually doing tech work. Maybe you're in a mail room or maybe you're doing some type of, of, um, data entry or something where you're around people who are doing the things you want to do. You get a part-time job doing it. So you want to do stuff in retail and work in retail. But I think it's really important when you're undecided to just pick something and also understand that your major is not going to be your career path. Your major is just going to be something you do until you figure out exactly what you want to do. And you can always change, right? What do you think of that, Andy,
1: yeah, and for those first two years, it is a lot about exploring, um, which is great for community college. Because when you make that transfer, if you want to a four-year university, you know, then you can declare what your major is and focus on that for your last two years. Granted right. that all your credits transfer and all that. But, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry that I got so excited. Did you were share more?
1: No, no, that's it. Yeah.
0: I hate talking over people, but I, I get so excited sometimes. It's like, uh. uh. Um, <laughs> But the part about community college that's so great too is you could spread it out over time, right? Like you don't have yeah. to two years in a community college, get your AA, go to a, a four-year school. You could take three years in a community college and you can take four years. You, you could work while you're there and then decide, what is it that I want to focus on and specialize in? And maybe, it's your, maybe you get an AA and then you work for a couple years in a particular field and you realize, I need to get a bachelor's degree. I need more education. But I think it's really important to experience it outside the classroom and to lean on the people in the places where you want to do the things you want to do talk to those professors as well use those career services hi harlan i've been reading the naked roommate the book's fantastic i just finished up 33 tip 33 about religious activities i think i encourage people to find a spiritual place i like spiritual places you, know, you find one that's welcoming and accepting because you get free food and you get to meet nice people even if you're not into god uh, my parents both work for the campus ministry intervarsity Christian Fellowship. And I thought it would be a fun surprise for them if the organization was included in the book. Thanks for the outstanding advice. Well, I'll try to include it in the book. I mentioned it in the podcast. So that's pretty exciting. I love that. I love that 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 you know that we have a, a, a child of someone who's excited for their parents. And uh, I'm a big fan of whatever religion, right? And if your religion doesn't accept you, then find another place where you can be accepted uh, or even find another faith. You know, it's like, this is your time to experiment. Find places where you are accepted and included and welcome simply because you exist. All right. My daughter got an 89 in her English grade overall and an 83% on her final. She is 3.7 percentage points away from an A overall, which would boost her GPA. How can we convince her teacher to bump her grade up by 3.7 points? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a car? I don't know. <laughs> I think that's too many points. Right. It's like
1: that's a bit. Yeah.
0: That's a lot of points. I mean, yeah. that's a prayer. That's and I'm not saying to give a car. I think at some point, like if you're 0. 0.7 points, 3.7, I don't know. I just feel like if that's her grade. Like, she's not an A student. So, like, she doesn't need the A. What she needs to do is figure out how to get 3.65 percentage points higher so she can get rounded up because I think that's just too much, right? Like, it's fun to to ask, but, like, I don't know, man. It's, like, I feel like in that, that situation, someone didn't earn it, right?
1: Yeah, maybe ask if you could do some extra credit. But short of that, I'm not sure what you can do.
0: Absolutely. Extra credit's a good idea. I like that. All right. You want to do a couple more? Yeah, sure. Do it. Fun. I like these. Hi, I love following your page. You make the material very engaging and relatable. Do you have any videos on mindset? I sure do. A lot on mindset. It's like a softball question. So this is my <laughs> book, Win or Learn, The Naked Truth About Turning Every Rejection Into Your Ultimate Success. And this is really about having a growth mindset. Because if you think about mindset, there's a fixed mindset, meaning when you don't get the outcome you desire, there is either someone to blame, like it's either you or me, right? It's like a finite, it's like a fixed, there's nothing could fix it because you're the problem or I'm the problem. It's a better way of explaining it. When you have a fixed mindset, you don't think anything could fix the problem. But when you have a growth mindset, you understand that there may be things that can fix the problem. There may be ways to get what you want. And that's called having a growth mindset. And when you understand the universal rejection truth, this law of nature that says not everyone and everything will always respond to you the way you always want. Well, There is really no room to have a fixed mindset because a fixed mindset denies existence of the universal rejection truth. This idea that there can always be this, this idea that you might not always get the right answer, uh, because, uh, the right answer may, uh, I'm not doing a good job. Did I do a good job explaining this till I overexplained it?
1: No, no, you're good. Yeah.
0: Sometimes I get, I get like, it's so funny. I've explained this so many times. But basically, the universal rejection truth says not everyone and everything is going to respond to me the way I want, meaning I may not always get the answer I want and other people may not give me the answer I want. And it doesn't mean that it's the end of the story. It means I need to understand why, because there might be a way to change it. And even if I can't change it, then there's a different risk I can take or a different outcome that I can discover by using the information and knowledge I've gained by trying to figure out this particular problem. Okay, that's a whole mindset thing. And I love the, uh, the win or learn mindset. This you have a win or learn mindset. The idea that no matter what happens, I'll be okay. Because the quote, the Nelson Mandela quote is, I never lose. I either win or I learn, which really is about a growth mindset. All right, we will do one more. And then we will wrap this up. Okay, I've tried to talk to my academic advisor about these problems. Oh, this is a larger one. Um, okay, Okay, is it possible that my academic warning could have its best chance of being appealed if I show much improvement? I was a bit away from being um, off warning, but unfortunately the grading didn't match up to how I needed. I have an appeal coming up soon. I was wondering what I can do to help my chances. I've tried to talk to my academic advisor about these problems, but unfortunately he's been dismissed from the school. <laughs> that's the part. That's Ooh. the part I was trying to get to is when you have a person who's in your corner who no longer can give you the answers you need you find another person you find a different academic advisor and you talk to someone and explain the situation because i don't know a lot of the details when it comes to working through each particular system i know that there's a person who's in that place who understands how to work through appeals to help you to navigate those changes so with all these questions you know we've 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 seen The parent who's the person who's in the child's corner asking questions, someone who is looking at me as someone who's in their corner to answer these questions. When you ask a question, it's really important to find those people who can give you that insight and knowledge and can help you and support you. So I encourage all of you, if there's something that's uncomfortable, who are your people, where are your places? If you don't have people, find people who volunteer, find people who are paid, find people who you can enlist uh, by asking other people who have gotten help, find places where you have access, whether it's through your school, whether it's through your community, spirituality, find places with kind people and be patient as you go through the process. I didn't even talk about patience, Andy, but I think we'll finish it with patience. Patience is the ability to withstand discomfort while finding answers. And as you go through the challenges of life, and I'll even bring it full circle of the ultimate loss of dealing with someone you love, whether it's a relationship ending, whether it's someone in your corner, who you love who's no longer there. Really recognizing that it takes time to heal. It's painful, man. It's like life is painful. Um, I don't know the last time you were in serious pain. Do you ever cry, Andy? It's a personal question.
1: Yeah, I guess so. When the when uh, the occasion calls for it, but yeah. I guess um, I haven't had much reason to lately, which is nice. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, but that that uh, what you just said reminded me of something that. Um, d- 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 uh, was added to the transition plan during the Lisa DeMora podcast. when yeah. she offered her thoughts on that, it's important during the patience part of it to have healthy, independent ways to cope when you're on your own, nice. you know, waiting for things to happen. So having activities that uh, are healthy and productive that uh, can allow you to exist while you're waiting for other things to happen, to find your people in places yeah. like exercising, going to the movies, um, yeah you know, whatever it is, cooking, binging your favorite show. I'm just You're talking about what I like to do.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and I think the way she stated it was to find emotional equilibrium um, during yeah. those times of, of, of discontent, which is a way to withstand the discomfort. And, and it's how we can be patient. And uh, uh, another way I like to put it is it's training spiritually. Um, you know, when people, I, I wrote a dating book and it talks about training physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And spiritually is what do you have in your life that gives you a sense of joy, that helps you to find balance, that gives you something to do that isn't dependent on other people and other things. And I think the word spiritual, you know, cooking is spiritual, exercise is spiritual. Um, of course, faith-based activities are spiritual, but even going for a walk is spiritual. So thanks for bringing that up. I think that's, that's, a, that's a huge piece. And it's something that is so important, especially for, you know, COVID was a time where where a lot of people lost their 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 places, they lost their people and they got impatient because they didn't they didn't have the things they couldn't do the things they loved to do and that was just a reminder for me that we all need to train spiritually so that we can have those things in our life that will enable us to tolerate the discomfort that comes with managing change all the changes love lost um unexpected changes uncertainty it's those things that really give us balance and keep us steady so I, I really like that. Uh, I, I, feel like, I feel like we're in a good place now in this conversation, Andy. You know, I feel like we've done a good yeah. job. This is fun. I really like this. I like talking to you. And I think it's fun that we can also mention some of the other podcasts, like the guests we've had, because they really reflect the bigger theme. You know, What we're doing here is we're highlighting lots of people who seem to have different voices, uh, but they're all reflecting a similar theme. And it's how can we get comfortable with the uncomfortable? And these are the people who are in our corner to help us to get where we want to go. Aaron Ezra, who talked about navigating work uh, work life, who's been in, in my corner, someone who I just stumbled upon through LinkedIn and reached out to. And he's been a really good guy. So we're going to continue to do this. We're open to any guests that you would like us to have on the podcast. Uh, Andy is uh, the producer of these. So we'll get more people, and we'll do this. We'll do a check in. I think it's cool to do a check in and kind of circle back, you know, every mm-hmm. uh, so often, just to also highlight some of the people we've had on. Because I think it's kind of cool. Like it, it's fun that that kind of just naturally worked out. Um, yeah. So we'll do that too. And uh, um, if you've listened this long, you have probably enjoyed it for the most part, or you just hate. <laughs> you, you just you just want to be angry. <laughs> and the more you, the more angry you get. Oh, I really hate them now. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have feedback if there's questions you have send me those questions we'll, we'll answer those if you have suggestions and, and guests let us know you know the the thing that's so uh one of those transition words yeah no but the thing that's that's i think really unique about what what we're doing and, and, and what i'm trying to do is you know i, I don't want to be any more important than anyone here i think a lot of what i've done early on in my career you know i've always wanted to help other people it's been help me harlan been the name of my column that but but i also wanted people to notice me and like me Um, It was important for people to to notice me and like me and as i've evolved um it's less important i really am, am about service and and wanting to provide value and it's not about me like i'm just someone who communicates that but like i don't need to be the most important person in the room and the listeners like anybody here like whoever like you're so important Oh, you're so important, and what you feel and think and believe, I want to know, even if it's not what I think and believe. And uh, your suggestions are important, and your feedback's important. So that's just kind of that's kind of environment we have here. And uh, I'm just grateful for all of you. I'm grateful for you, Andy, and for everybody who's listening. Thanks for being here. I'm Harlan Cohn. This is Andrew uh, McMillan, Antal, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andrew, M- Mark. What is it? How did I forget? Andy, Michael. Michael. Right, yeah. Of course, Michael. Right. Antel. <laughs> so this is this is Andy. I'm Harlan. We're going to keep this conversation going. And uh we are. I'm grateful to be a person in your corner. I know Andy is as well. Uh so thanks for being here. And until next time, uh just enjoy your people, find your places, be patient, and we will do this again. Thanks, everybody.